Welcome to the Soft Talk Week podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Renee. As a surrogate partner and intimacy guide, many times clients approach me to fix their dick. This led me to create Soft Cock Week in 2022, an annually celebrated week of education, appreciation, and normalization of the flaccid phallus. I'm so happy you're here. Before we get started, this podcast is not a replacement for medical advice. In fact, when you notice any change in your body, especially in how your penis is functioning, please always seek medical consultation first. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soft Cock Week 2023. Um, I don't know the order of these these episodes and how they're going to come out, so I won't number it. Um, but I'm so excited to be here with Erica Leroy, who is uh, a colleague of mine, I guess, for the last, we've known each other pr- probably a year, maybe something like that. Um, I don't know. I just know that you really came on my radar when I started to talk about Soft Cock Week. And I just, this is a topic that you are either passionate about or you just haven't run into it in your life yet is kind of how I've decided it It falls on two sides, right? (laughs) So um, we just happen to both be really passionate about this topic. And because we're both Mm -hmm. um, professionals in the same sphere, um, we connected and Erica has been so generous in helping support Soft Cock Week this year. If nothing else than just for my accountability buddy, um, but also just a anchor of, of just safety and grounding as I've kind of been like, what do I want to do with it this year? How do I honor my enthusiasm and honor my no and still provide something to the community that is so important to me. So thank you, Erica. Mm. I can't say enough how much I appreciate you and how much I adore our, our connection. And, and you know, so many things that I just don't know anything about. And I think that's why it like works really well because it's a good balance. If we all (laughs) knew the same things, it wouldn't be very fruitful. Oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. So, so could you let us know who you are, where you are, what you do? Ooh, where am I? <laughs> that's well, a great that's question. That's a moving question, right? right? That's a moving question. So my name is Erica Leroy. I am the founder of Creative Body Release, which is a multidisciplinary method helping adult experiential learners become empowered advocates for them, their sexual health and their overall well-being. I'm a human development specialist with a focus on body, mind, spirit relationship, but in a very practical and not woo way. I've done the woo, I've done the science, and I'm, I consider myself to be like the, the grout between all of the disparate parts. I like to think of what I do almost like, um, yeah, like how you need the welding in the stained glass window for all the pieces to actually make a complete picture. That my experience, you know, I've, I've been in healthcare, I've been in education, I've been in mind body, I've been in, you know, alternative wellness. Uh, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, you know, I'm a lover, I'm a friend. (laughs) 
I've been there. I've been through the shit. I like to say that creative body release, we focus on prevention, remediation, and reimagination. Um, and that my particular magic is turning life's oh fucks into fuck yes. Because I've been there, right? So I, I can walk, I walk the talk of using our uh, erotic, what I call our erotic energy um, as, as the portal to actually do what is called holistic work, right? Because so many other people are so afraid and avoid genitals mm -hmm. that the work actually isn't holistic, even if they're saying it's holistic and that it's really only those of us who are doing touch based and mind spirit work. Yeah. that I feel really can call ourselves holistic. Yeah. So I interface with, um, gen so over the last number of years, my journey has really been to primarily be a referral source for pelvic floor physical therapists and urologists and oncologists. Um, cause I'm curious about what's missing for people in the medical journey, but I also, you know, work however people find me. That's sort of the magic, right? Is if our paths cross, I'm that magical lady who might be able to do something. Right. We yeah. talked to um, Susie Gronke, who is a pelvic floor therapist. And oh, we yeah. were talking about, um, you know, urologists are wonderful and they do really great work. And there's a place where they stop their participation, right? They're mm -hmm. not there for the full recovery process they get their part taken care of and then it's kind of like here's a here's a sheet of paper with some instructions on kegels yeah and you know it, it's it's like then we need the next step right mm -hmm. and that's right. public floor pt it's it's hands-on workers like yourself that mm -hmm. really can help take people more towards i don't want to call it a finish line because i don't think there's an end but to the next like into the next phases of their yeah. recovery well, and what I would say I've learned, that's absolutely true. And that's why I say sort of the grout work, right? Mm -hmm. Because what I've seen and what I've learned by interfacing in that pelvic floor PT realm is that the majority of people, you know, that's a very special, pelvic floor PT is a very specialized part of PT. Mm -hmm. And then inside of that, the majority of people work with people who have vulvas and uteruses. Yeah, we talked about right? that too. Yeah, right? it's a very small amount. And so even the PTs that I've met who do work with people who have a penis and a larger prostate, um, the way that they're trained, because it's more um, neuromuscular, stops where the muscles come to the shaft, mm -hmm. right? And actually don't really have training on the fascia that goes around the rest of the penis and around, I mean, there's four different fascia systems that are in there and they don't really have confidence and knowledge and training to go beyond the base, so even that is where I saw that there was a, that was where I was like, oh, there's a gap because as a, as, as a sexological body worker, um, you know, I can do that. 
right? Mm -hmm. That is where I can go, where I like to go. And what I've been exploring for the last 12 years is what I call um, demystifying the international erectile epidemic, because I really do see that this is an epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, it's a healthcare epidemic. And um, we don't have enough people who can go the full, like I said in the intro, mm -hmm. like just the full length, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many puns around this topic. You, yes. get, to, you get into soft penises and it's just length and hardness. And yes. yeah, there's, they're exactly. just waiting for us to walk into them. Um, yeah. That, and, and, and I love that. And that's, that's where you and I are very different um, focuses in our work, right? I'm working on the relationship with self and with partners in, in that's my focus. And in, it sounds like you are also able to bring in the physical body, right. And what's happening mm -hmm. physio physiologically where that is so not my specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my background, um, began working with parent child education and bringing in a sensory motor, approach to how do we even come into our bodies in the first place, mm -hmm. right? And helping to integrate through games and movement and touch the sensory, you know, the human being is designed for the sensory world to imprint and help us come into ourselves. And what I have seen given that I've spent time with humans developing from prenatal, you know, all the way through death and dying, is that there's this disservice that we do to people with a penis that starts very early on, right? It's, um, there's two things I, I tend to think about. One is, and this is what I saw really working in preschool and kindergarten, is that really starting at around that age, we are so uncomfortable with the penis, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're so uncomfortable with it showing up that we ask young boys who really young, like four, to stop allowing the sensory world to penetrate them. That I think of the penis as an antenna, mm -hmm. right? It's like if we, mm -hmm. you know, it's meant to be an antenna, mm -hmm. right? But we, you you know, no, 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 don't let this show up. No, no, no. You know, not in the classroom, not in the locker room, not in the workplace, not in the da da da. Maybe not at all. Maybe not right? at all. Right. Don't so touch then, that. Don't exactly. So there's also so then from a deep neurological point, we have what I would call cock confusion. Am I allowed? Am I not allowed? Oh, there's this one little window where I'm, it's okay for me to show up, but like, but there's a pretty butterfly or there's a nice smell or there's a warm sweater or there's, you know, all of these things that we who don't have the antenna can, we can penetrate. We can allow mm -hmm. that to penetrate us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, so I see that as a result of living that way for a long time, mm -hmm. then there tends to be, you know, cause my question, the, the question I've entered into this work with is, um, why are the ED rates 
you know, why did, why are they, what is it commensurate with age, right? Mm -hmm. Why is it 30% of men at 30, 40% of men at 40, 50% of men at 50, if there was any other body part where that was what we were talking about, there would be the equivalent of like a, a hit gym or a Pilates studio or a <laughs> yoga center on every corner. I mean, it's just, just from a business point of view. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a, I mean, literally we, a growth market. We have, we have thrown all the money at the Viagra's, right? Right. We have solved, we have tried to solve it from a medical standpoint. Um, what we're missing is this, this, unraveling of the messages that we're, we're receiving at such a young age. Yeah. And then it's getting them back in touch because it's not too late, right? It we're very neuroplasticity. We, we have this pro proven, right? Mm -hmm. We can go back. Um, and, and that's what, you know, we're here for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little bit about or tell, you know, the Softcock Week listeners, and I'm so excited to be part of Softcock Week. It's just, it is really, you know, just some, I, when, when we met and uh, you, I found out that this is something that you've been holding in the world. It just made me love you all the more, right? Because yeah. it is something we really... We really need. We bond to talk over about. this. Yeah. Yes. You and I, well, I have not had the experience that you've had around this personally. And I want you to talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, it certainly is a big part of my life in a personal way and how I interact with clients around this or partners mm -hmm. around this. And um, so you showing up in my in my world and sharing your story just really put a big exclamation point on how important this is. Mm. This is not just yeah. about helping people have better sex. This is not about helping them have an expanded idea of sex, but you really reminded me of the importance of what we're, what we know, what we learn about ourselves because of this antenna, mm -hmm. right? Yep. That we could be missing something that is really important. So I want to shoot this back to you and say, yeah, Erica, what's your story? What 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 brings you to Softcock Week? Yeah. <laughs> so in 2009, I fell in love. I had been divorced twice um and was I was 30 at that point what? I was 40 that year. And I was on my like, "Ooh, I'm out in the world and I'm, you know, rediscovering myself. And I fell in love with this wonderful, amazing man. And it was, you know, a meeting of the minds. It was a meeting of the body. It was a meeting of the spirit. We were work collaborators. We were, I mean, it was just one of those, like the easiest flow I'd ever experienced. Except that in our sex life, I noticed after about the first two months of being together that he very quickly would move towards wanting only to be in positions where he was pleasing me, right? So he was either orally pleasing me, pleasing me with a toy, pleasing me with a hand. And that was great. And I was poly, I've been poly for, you know, 15 plus years. And so there was a part of me that was like, well, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily need 
this, a lot of penetration, right? You know, from this person, I'm enjoying what we're having. I'm getting other needs met, you know, from other people. So this is okay. But as I started to fall more into, well, maybe this is it, this you are, maybe I want to just come into this a little bit more, not monogamous, but just a little bit deeper. I just asked one day, hey, you know, what's going on? Because I'm a woman who really likes to fuck. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I, what's, what, what's, what, what is this for you? Right. And it yeah. wasn't accusatory. It was really curious. I was just curious. And then he shared with me his story, which was, you know, some of which I knew, but I, in a different way, um, which was that, you know, he had gone through a very painful divorce, very painful divorce in which his partner is the, the wife had as part of the separation process said some really, um, degrading things about his penis. Mm -hmm. Right. Not uncommon. No, not uncommon. We, we, we shoot below the belt, right? We do. Yeah, we do. And, and, and that is you know, an easy and, target. And the penis withers, which makes mm -hmm. sense. I mean, it just retracts and is like, uh, right. And we also know for people who have performance anxiety, that the adrenaline response of not knowing and how am I going to perform is this person going to like it? Da, 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 da. That as soon as that kind of that type of adrenaline comes into the body, you're pretty much guaranteed that you're not going to be able to maintain, get and or maintain an erection, right? Because that chemical just doesn't work, right? When you're trying to be downregulated. So, yeah. you know, he shared that with me. And said, you know what, and, and while I've been dating, so then he went on to say, you know, while I've been dating, I've just found it easier to come forward as I want to worship and please you than to have to have these conversations. Because when I'm dating, you know, what I found is a lot of women take it personally. And then it becomes all about their personal feelings of, you know, you're not attracted to me. You don't like me. Da, da, da. And, they, and he's like, I just, I don't want that energy. So I said, okay, well, thank you for letting me know, right? This is really helpful. And let's, uh, let's just play together. You know, when we're together, how do we make this feel like sacred space, right? That if we are, can we commit to that the time that we have together, that is, because for me, sex is, it's the time where we get to share our bodies, right? I have plenty of friends where we don't share our bodies or we share it differently, but sex is this, it's a, it's a body to body intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let's just, make that time, let's honor that time for discovery and play and keep an attitude of levity and curiosity and joy. And let's just see what happens, right? And why don't we do this, which is when you're hard enough, then we'll do something penetrative. And when... <laughs> when that changes, because the words that he used, which I still use in my work with people is he talked about that his penis had an ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, well, great. I like to boogie board. So, 
<laughs> when there's a wave that we can catch, you know, stick it in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if it changes, let's do something else. And we found two, you know, what are the things that turn us on? We discovered, you know, this really juicy relationship between us of voyeur and camera play, right? That, that an exhibitionist that when, that when things would subside, that rather than, okay, now we're done would mm-hmm. be, you know, maybe now we're using a toy or now he's watching me masturbate or so that we were filling the time and the space that we had with this connective energy. And lo and behold, you know, his penis would, you know, more and more and more over the course of, you know, 18 months, more and more and more, we were finding, you know, just that this hardness was returning. And he was, and and more that he was also really feeling in his body, a holistic sense of self. Right. Mm-hmm. However, I was aware through all of the change that there was still something that for me was missing. And that was that he very, very rarely ejaculated. Mm. Right. What he mostly had was more like what you see people trying for in Tantra. which would be lots and lots of orgasm, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily the ejaculation. And that was on, I mean, in Tantra, I think of it as this is on purpose, but what you're saying is with your partner, it was not on purpose. It It wasn't that he was holding it back. No. It just wasn't coming. No, it just wasn't coming. And at the time, because it was before I did my training as a sexological body worker, I was working as an educator in the world. I was a social Mm -hmm. justice you know, advocate. Um, I didn't know. All I knew was that the orgasm that I have when someone ejaculates is a distinct orgasm that I was missing. Mm-hmm. But because of his history, I didn't want to lay that out on him. Mm-hmm. And because I had another partner, I was like, okay, you know, again, I'm not going to, I want to just allow this. I don't want to be the person who has any complaints or any pressure on this beautiful cock that it has been shifting and growing and playing. And my, you know, it was very much like this play date time of my, he, you know, my pussy and his cock were just like, our brains could just get out of the way and make space for their play. Yeah. Right. But then in 2011, um, he died in his sleep suddenly. And what we found out was that he had, he was 42 African-American man and he died in his sleep of undiagnosed diabetes. Mm. And one of the biggest tells in men for diabetes is erectile flow and function. Right. And for diabetes in particular that not the 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 ejaculation issue that's a particular tell for diabetes interesting yeah i think it's yeah. called you know it's a retrograde ejaculation or an ejaculation mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and um so Having been in, uh, as a massage therapist, I do my Red Cross training, 
every two years I've, you know, taken, I've gone to classes and taken tests where things about diabetes have been in it, but it's never, that has never been something that's been brought up. Yeah. Cause I, I really was like, how could I not have known this? Right? How I could think I not of, have known? Yeah. I think of the erectile issue as being a, 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 I'd never thought of it as a sign for diabetes, but certainly a symptom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, I, you're opening my eyes to the ejaculation component of it completely. And, and I'm going to assume most of the people, cause I consider myself pretty geeky. Most of the people listening to this episode, if they, if they take anything else away from it, mm-hmm. right. Is this new information. I, yeah. My mother died of breast cancer, not from mm. a typical form of breast cancer, but the one mm. real rare, you know, the, uh-huh. there's always that real rare one that people, even the doctors don't know about, right? right. And right. we do our best in my family to educate people to to look at things as any kind of change, go to your doctor mm-hmm. and, and also come in with the information of, hey, I need to know, I need to take this information about inflammatory breast cancer with me because the doctor may not know it. And I want this to be that that space too in the men's health world Mm -hmm. to say hey this is something that is on my radar for the first time that ejaculation issues could also be one of these signs of undiagnosed diabetes and how critical this is to to have that information it's so important you know and we I want to go back to something that you said about um, the erectile piece as a symptom, because I even, you know, I have someone who I just saw the other day who said to me, you know, I really feel like you saved my life because I was telling him this particular story, right, about Mm -hmm. my partner. And he had this aha because he was having soft cock issues Mm -hmm. and had, like many men, attributed it to, you know, a, you know, a challenging situation in the marriage and stress and, you know, that it wasn't health, Mm -hmm. right? Like what I see happening often with men and soft cock is either they're thinking about it only medically and Mm -hmm. they're not looking at stress and all of the other social emotional components, or they're looking at it only as social emotional and not looking at it physically. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, I think our work in the world is to provide space where we can give um, an objective opinion because we're seeing it in action. Right. That's like, it's so strange that there are not more opportunities for the penis to be assessed in its natural uh flow state. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the, yes, it's a symptom of diabetes, but often just like with heart disease, prostate cancer, um, and other things like I know, you know, it can also be, you know, blood, anything that could be a blood issue, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that often we see that the penis as a barometer of health Mm-hmm. Right, will show th- that something is going on years mm-hmm. before 
it shows up on the tests and all these other things. So we really want to, I feel like a huge piece of what we're trying to do with Soft Cock Week is also really encourage and acknowledge that listening to the body and not being in a place of something something is wrong with my penis, right? But actually, mm -hmm. oh, my penis is telling me that there's some things I should be paying attention to. Yeah, and something again, shifted. If we go back, right, and if we go back to mm -hmm. the thing with the antenna and kind of how we cut people off, I there's something called proprioception and enteroception, right? Mm -hmm. Those come from the sensory motor world, which is really the ability to it is the ability to listen to and touch in with your body. And when we cut the body off at a young age, mm -hmm. then those uh, skills, their skill sets that are supposed to be developing throughout you know, childhood and adolescence, those skills aren't really there. So a lot of the work that I do is actually around helping to get that particular part of the sensory motor system to turn back on. You know, or part I, of, I, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not an expert at this, but I mm -hmm. do dabble in little things on Facebook. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the groups I'm in is on interrospection and uh -huh. is that the right word? Intero Interoception. Yeah. Interoception. Yep. And that there is definitely a tie with neurodiversity in that too. Right. Yes. So um, so sensory motor integration, it came out of, it is part of the world, sometimes in the medical world of OTs, of occupational therapists, mm -hmm. but it's also as an educator, it's part of the work that I've done, you know, in special ed and remedial education. And, you know, neuro, we're all neurodiverse. <laughs> That's the nature of the human mammal, right? We're all True. individual. What is the, what is the, the one pinpoint spot of of not right. It doesn't exist, right? There's, it doesn't exist. We're it, a it, wide variety. It, it, it truly, you know, my father mm -hmm. was, a, was one of the first, I think 11, he was in the first cohort of pediatric neurologists in the country, right? And I'm 55. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had the benefit of having somebody who actually understood something about the developing brain, um, raise me and I got to be in his office and learn a lot of things. So I, I feel like I'm really happy about where we are in talking about neurodiversity. I also want to make sure, I, I think a lot of what we're trying to do in the work that we're doing is take it away from the jargon into mm -hmm. the embodied, well, now what? Right. So now right. I know that I have this. So yes, interoception goes with neurodiversity, but neurodiversity also goes with, you know, birth, prenatal birth trauma, um, you know, how you, you know, how you attach, what do you have, you know, what kinds of experiences do you have coming into your body in the first place? Is it something that was congenital, right? In the old right. days, all neurodiversity was only looked at if it was clearly like a congenital something right mm -hmm. now we've expanded neurodiversity to all the things that we pick up. That's why I say we all are, because that's, again, that's how we're designed. We're designed True. to have a sensory experience. So when we, so a lot of the men that I work with are, um, and I say men because I don't work a lot in the trans community. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's, I, I, it's not an area that has really come to me. I've done some study, I've done some training, but um, there are people who that, that is 
they are better at doing that work than I am. So my my particular uh, niche is with cisgendered men, you know, mm-hmm. um, and a lot, but a lot of the men that I work with, I mean, this is where you see when you, when you have an overriding question, right? My overriding question was, uh, why do we have this epidemic? What are the common mm-hmm. traits? What's going on? What are the, what, what's the big picture here that I would say that the majority of men that I see, you know, do have some kind of neurodivergence that are often older, and so mm-hmm. the language that we're using these days around all of this, it just wasn't around, right? They, they were pushed through systems. And so that maybe they don't really know how to read a room or they don't really know how to be in their body. Mm-hmm. And what they do know, you know, what is common <clears throat> is that there was a time in their life where the way their penis functioned was something they didn't have to think about. Yep. Right. You know, I had a client who I thought he put it so beautifully. He said, you know, being conscious is really hard work. (laughs) Yeah. And it's such a shift. There's so many things, right? (laughs) I I just, I say this on every episode and I, I just, maybe this will be like, we should make a list of the themes, Mm -hmm. right. Of, of this week. But um, like, shifting this this re-education sexual sexuality re-education that needs to happen let's assume that nothing else is really a major problem other than the fact that we have to understand that our our desire changes right maybe it's just as simple as learning about responsive desire mm-hmm. and that this is not just a female thing right, right. <laughs> we've exactly we've, i i remember thinking it was like women are responsive and men are spontaneous, right? But that's mm-hmm. not fair because it's not ever always anything, right? Exactly. And I think it's just part of this week of like, we didn't get this education growing up. If we got any sex education, we certainly didn't get the the nuance of aging, um, being in what it's like to, to have sex in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Like all these other, like these layers of how to have like the sex that you want to have. We just didn't have that kind of education. It was like, this yeah. is how you don't get pregnant. If you're, if you were born into a, a male body and you were cut off from the sensation of what your penis can tell you, you're told that you need to be secretive. Mm-hmm. You exactly. need to be quiet and quick, mm-hmm. right? that is not the way that a a great sexual partnered relationship works. Yeah. And your penis isn't trained for it. It's like, (laughs) it's like when they come in, it's like the first thing I'm like is, okay, let's talk about how you masturbate. Exactly. Because we're going to need to retrain some of that. Right. And that's really the primary work that I do is in uh, masturbation coaching, masturbation training, rethinking what masturbation is, because there is so much of this, like, you know, there, there's a lot of guilt and shame and story around masturbation. Mm-hmm. But I've been a movement educator since early, early adolescence. My, my, one of my first jobs was teaching aerobics at the local Nautilus, right? I'm a dancer, I'm a choreographer, I'm a movement specialist. Um, and to me, sexual activity is, a, you know, 
it's a movement activity. It's like when people say to me, you know, uh, well, porn isn't real. And I'm like, well, what their bodies are doing is real. Like you, that's like saying pro football isn't real. Right. Right. It's a new, it's a, it's a, it's a a shortened, I'm guilty of saying it all the time. uh So I'm like, it's a shortened to say it's not real is just not nuanced enough. Right. It's like, this is not what your sex is going to look like. And it's very curated and edited and there's so much, it's not real enough, I guess, maybe is the terminology. I mean, I found for myself that, well, first of all, I started out in the realm of erotic ergonomics way back in the day. I used to, uh, read cosmopolitan magazine cosmo mm-hmm. yep. because i liked that they listed all sorts of different positions and ideas and so it was like oh i haven't tried this oh i haven't tried that so again as a choreographer as a movement oriented educator you know i can look at porn and say oh that's a position i'm curious about what would that mm-hmm. feel like let's you know let's try this out so mm-hmm. i'm using it to take you can take ideas and then mm-hmm. implement. Because what I see in my work is that most people have a very, 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 very limited movement vocabulary mm-hmm. in the realm of sexual activity. Well, just you know, like it, they have a limited emotional vocabulary. They have, it's just, mm-hmm. if we haven't had the education around these areas, we don't have the words, it's hard for us to talk about them. Right. And, and so like, absolutely. I think, I think what comes up for me when I say porn isn't real is like experiences working with people with, um, a delayed sexual debut where their, their focus or their concept of sex has really been around what they've watched on porn. Yeah. And then we have that moment of, I've had this literal thing happen with someone that says, Oh, this is so not like porn. Right. Like said those words out of their mouth where I'm like, oh, that's your only context for this. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very much like I can see you coming into it with with like a different eye of looking at it and saying, I do the same thing. Oh, that looks fun. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And you see somebody do something, you're like, oh, I'd be down to try that. But I get the other side where a guy comes in and says, hey, so my dick isn't hard 100% of the time. Something must be wrong. And I'm like, where do you get this concept Mm -hmm. that your penis should be hard 100% of the time? That's like the the nuanced conversation around well, that, porn. That, and that part for sure is real. I mean, the, the, the piece that we're talking about, you know, is that, and I hear this, I hear the same thing from men all the time, which is, you know, I'm supposed to be hard all the time. Where do you get that idea from? Mm-hmm. I get it from porn. And so the, it's not that porn isn't real, right? It's that we don't have people making porn that show the cock in all of its various states that we still, from a cultural societal point of view, um, are putting pressure on the male body Mm -hmm. image, right? We've Mm -hmm. done a lot more work around like naming that society is kind of fucked up around female body image. Yes. we don't talk enough about what we do for male body image, right? We're Mm -hmm. not seeing, you know, 
heavier set men. We're not seeing the penis, you know, all the things. So if you, if, if porn is how most people are getting their sex education, right. Yeah. Then part of the issue is how do we, how do we add into the mix more choices that reflect reality rather than saying this isn't real. Right. Yeah. That's part of that. That's a piece of it. Right. And so I yeah. often have to say like, you know, this let's explore all of the, you know, if we go back to ebb and flow, all of the in-between experiences, because if what you're used to is I see boobs and I get rigid, right? Yeah. And now I see boobs and I am not rigid. My first question is, is there flow at all? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what happens with the mind is, especially around this issue, is it's an all or nothing, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of the work is around, um, learn, and this goes back to the interoception and proprioception, right? Is learning how to identify and feel all of the feelings of arousal and pleasure and deliciousness, Mm -hmm. That happens while flow is building as opposed mm -hmm. to there it is, I must be turned on right yeah. now it's i'm you know i I use the that the concept or the image of a garden hose, you know you're turning on the tap and you wanna that the mind has to you know, do the work of starting that trickle, and then what are these things learning so much of masturbation coaching is learning anew what turns you on mm -hmm. because sometimes part of this is also that the things as andropause comes on for those who are you know older just like with menopause um the things that were your go-to may no longer be your go-to right and so a lot of this is coming a lot of this piece i find really helpful to think about from a uh, my my undergraduate was from a Tibetan Buddhist university. And so really coming to this, this work in revisioning and re inhabiting masturbation from a place of beginner's mind, mm -hmm. because if we are not in beginner's mind with curiosity and like, what is there new for me to learn about myself, mm -hmm. about my partner, about the world, then the anxious mind kicks in. And when the anxious mind kicks in, you're flooding the body with cortisol. Mm -hmm. And what we need in order, the penis needs the body to be downregulated, mm -hmm. right? In order for the penis to relax and have flow come in, whether that's to get fully hard or partially hard, or just a feeling of warmth and flow, then everything else in the nervous system has to be you know, it's, it's such a funny line, Michelle, it's that line of, um, I am relaxed and I am anticipatory. Yes. I am relaxed and I am aroused. But if the, I am relaxed, isn't there, you know, then, and especially if the penis has had any kind of physical trauma, pain, Right. That mm -hmm. goes back to when we were talking about the PTs, what I see often what happens is I'll work with men where they had a really, really wonderful physical therapist who helped them go from penile pain mm -hmm. to neutral 
Mm-hmm. But then that's where things stop. We got you to neutral, mm-hmm. right? And so then I get to pick up from neutral into pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. And explore what that pleasure is. So yeah, that's not sure yeah. where we are. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking about that ruminating thought of anxiety because I had one event where my penis disappointed me, uh-huh. right? And, and now I'm going to ruminate on that, which is going to perpetuate that. Right. Right. And how to break that cycle is, is that's the work, right? That's the part of the reeducation of what if we just were in the moment and worked with whatever showed up in the room and took all the pressure off the penis, Mm -hmm. right? Then we can get relaxed enough. Well, that's where masturbation as a training activity really helps, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, again, there's a lot of cultural stuff, religious stuff, all this stuff around masturbation. But if we go back to this is a movement activity, this is an embodied movement activity, then what we know from sports psychology, from the world of athletics, from the world of dance is You need to train for the activity that you want to be good at. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I see is very, very, very common is that the masturbation habit body that a man has developed since often since they first started masturbating, right? Mm -hmm. So they have a pattern of masturbation that in no shape, manner, or form looks like penetrative sex with a partner. Absolutely. It's just, you know, it's completely different. You know, when I watch a lot of masturbation coaching is masturbation witnessing, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll watch how someone is stroking and then I'll, you know, say, okay, well, I can see how for an individual session that feels good for you to be able to have that sense of relief and release and build. But I can tell you as a woman, Mm -hmm. There's nothing that I just watched that translates over to your penis knowing, oh, now I'm in this situation. This is what we've been training for. And so that's like the way I always like to say it is, you know, if you were training to be a gold medal high jumper, right, you wouldn't train by doing butterfly stroke in the pool. Right. Right. It's very simple in that sense. Mm -hmm. So the technique and the, you know, often where I start is um, looking at stroke pattern, Mm -hmm. making sure that there are times in a masturbation session where the whole of the body is moving into the hand rather than the hand stroking, thinking of, and really also the other piece that we know, again, from physical training, the physical training world is not only do you want to train for the activity that you want to be good at, but you want to visualize Mm -hmm. yourself being good at it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not thinking about, I'm going to miss the shot. If I want to make a three pointer, I'm not, I'm not imagining myself on the court missing, Mm -hmm. right? I'm imagining myself on the court, but with erections, with sex, 
what we often hear, I'm sure you get this too, is that again, the mind is so caught up in the fear and the anxiety mm-hmm. that they're not able to visualize. So a lot of my work is teaching two things. One is really allowing people to go into fantasy that is not really fantasy, but it's actually the power of imagination. Let's imagine what this is. Mm-hmm. And and also recalling memory of when you have had success. Because mm-hmm. if you can recall the memory and actually hang out in that experience of remembering, oh, I remember being in the car when I was 19 and I remember how she put her hand in my lap and that feel and lo and behold when they start to talk about things slowly and actually build up the sensory memory then mm-hmm. oh hold on I haven't felt this in years I'm feeling swelling I'm feeling some bulge I'm feeling something because the body mm-hmm. has an incredible memory but we don't practice remembering what's good and yeah. then that and then that stymies our ability to then visualize having that again. We get stuck. I see a lot of men get really stuck. And the the when we're stuck, when we're vacillating like that, then the penis is kind of off course, right? This is so, reminding yeah. me of in seventh grade, I went to, I was a, I played basketball and I went to this camp one summer. I think, I think it was seventh or eighth grade. And I look back at it now and I was like, it was so progressive for looking like at the time I didn't realize what I was in the middle of, but it was called Yes, I Can Camp. And a lot of it was about visualizing, like, mm-hmm. it's not about, we're not going to teach you how to do layups and we're going to teach you how to shoot free throws and whatever. It was things like taking down the, the basketball hoop and showing us physically around our bodies how big it was. Uh, yeah. That we it was yeah. it was not this tiny hole that we were shooting for. It was quite large and giving us picture a picture of a hoop to put on our wall in our dorm rooms where we were staying mm-hmm. on this campus. And we were to do so many imaginary free throws laying in bed at night because you would hit a hundred percent of them. Right. Yeah. And and I, I'm just tying this together totally. with this totally. talk about that's masturbation exactly coaching. Yep. That's so let so let's keep moving in that way. So for, so when I work in masturbation coaching, we're thinking about all of the different positions in all the different planes of space. So if you are laying, so what I generally have people do who are having trouble, you know, with their erections is, you know, I'll say, okay, you know, let's, let's take two days a week. You can do whatever you're you're used to doing Mm -hmm. and two days a week where it's training. So first of all, we're creating a mental container that isn't saying what you've done, you can't do anymore, right? right. Saying, you know, that works in a context, right? That's that. Mm-hmm. It's different. And then let's put in some training. So in the training sessions, we want to really be working on imagining how that position that we're in actually would be. So and we'll and I generally will start with what's your usual position. So let's say someone says to me, I usually masturbate laying in bed, you know, on my back. All right, great. So that's your position. So if you were laying in bed on your back and you have what would a partner be doing? 
So let's say you're, you have a partner and they're riding you, or maybe it begins, maybe you begin soft, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you are soft. And so the way it begins is maybe that partner is just gent, you know, you're using, you're activating. I like to try to get people to activate one hand as the lover hand, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, this hand, and it's like drumming. Masturbation is definitely like drumming, right? It's, it's, it's a tricky act. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe this is beginning with some touch, right? So let's go ahead and, you know, have that, you know, how turn yourself on the way you would like a lover to be touching you and turning yourself on. So let's explore first that you know, all the ways, feel the difference in the quality of touch that you give to yourself and notice when it starts to feel like an arousing lover touch. Bring mm -hmm. that in. Then let's say you're laying on your back and they've moved from just stroking your legs and stroking around to maybe now it's a mouth, right? So imagining that mouth discovering your balls and discovering around you. Um, I like to encourage encourage people to use different fabrics, have different fabrics around because that can help with that. So a, a velvet mm -hmm. or a velveteen has a mm -hmm. similar texture to a tongue. So, mm -hmm. you know, having mm -hmm. a glove or having something that then stimulates the, because we're trying to trick the brain too, right? So bringing some of that in and then you're imagining that tongue and then you're imagining that warm mouth, making sure that you have good lube, I generally mm -hmm. recommend all of my uh, clients to use grapeseed oil. It just has a natural, it feels most like um, a natural uh, lubricant. It feels oh, most like a warm mouth. That's what I use. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you can't use it if you're using, uh, you know, you have to, if you're using certain toys or if you're using a condom, but if it's just skin to skin, um, and especially for masturbation, that has been a game changer. I've had people with like post-prostectomy who have had trouble, you know, regaining erections that just switching to using grapeseed oil has like mm -hmm. been the game changer for them. Mm -hmm. right? So, um, but we're imagining then, okay, now are we starting to, if you're not fully hard yet, right? Maybe you're, you can't get hard or you're only there, but then still like, well, what would, what would a partner be doing? So maybe they're, um, you know, now they're taking your penis and rubbing the frenulum on their, on the lips of their vulva or something. So using one hand is that part of the body and the, and really building up because the more you build up the imagination. And I think this goes back to the issue with porn. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that so when I use porn for coaching, you know, then I'll say again, use it sometimes as your dopamine hit, which is more about the hunting for something that makes your eyes go. ooh, Right. But yeah. if you're actually using it for training, then we're looking at eye hand coordination. Can you match what you're doing? If you can't get a visual in your head yet on your own, then if you see, you know, there's a nice juicy ass and the vulvar lips are showing and someone is penetrating, then can you move, you know, can you match the movement so that it, mm -hmm. there's something um, that's connective there to, to what the body is going to be doing? But let's going yeah. back to if you're on your back, then the you know, there are only certain things that can be happening. Someone can be on top. Someone can be between your legs, mm -hmm. right? 
doing something, or they can be on top of you, facing you, facing away from you, kind of towards the side, but that's a limited range of motion. So certain kind of stroking isn't going to do that. Now, the stroking that would work would be, okay, you know, even if you're soft, you can grab around the shaft, right? So that mm -hmm. the, the part of the coronal head maybe still has a little bit of fullness there. And then with your hand, you're imagining, okay, here's just my partner is just teasing the top by bouncing on it, right? right. And then, and just adding that will start, can start to get the blood flow in. Or if you're standing, right? A lot, a lot of people who have erectile issues, um, when I talk with them, they don't stand. Standing is the easiest is, is, you know, in terms of a blood, if it's a blood flow issue, that's a great position laying flat on your back, getting the blood to go from your heart horizontally, and then push this whole mechanism up. That's one of the hardest positions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if getting, getting any sense of hardness is a challenge laying down, switch it up start with being on your knees or being or standing up and then what where would you be you would be on the side of the bed you would be mm -hmm. maybe someone would be on a kitchen counter like you know and really i like it's like build i've been thinking of it as sort of build your own kama sutra like what yeah. is it you know i like to do home visits where i come and really look at okay and if this in this chair these are all the ways i would masturbate in this area this is how you could masturbate in this because we get, we're we're very limited. We limit ourselves to, I have to do it quickly in the shower, or I have to hide it in the closet, or I have to do it like this, as opposed to really using the environment to imagine. So a lot of my clients, I'm like, okay, you know, if you're going to bring somebody home with you, you know, how, what, what is the choreography of from the moment you walk in the door Mm -hmm. All of the places where you can be, you know, building the arousal and feeling, you know, where that opportunity to connect body to body can be. Does that makes sense. Just, yeah. And I'm thinking uh -huh. about how unfortunate that we don't teach masturbation to our children, right? Because they're figuring this out on their own, like right. that the, the most, you know, I can hope for as a, as a mom with kids is like, mom, do you recommend lubricant? Oh yes. Let me tell you about lubricant. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, baby, I was thinking when I used to sell sex toys, how great it would have been to hand out a masturbation sleeve to every boy with a bottle of lube and some instructions. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like the first thing I do with clients is like, let's a let's, let's break the death grip mm -hmm. and Right. One great way to do that is to separate your hand from your cock and, and use something <laughs> in the middle, right? Something mm -hmm. that's a little squishy and, a, and much more like a vagina, right? Yeah. Like these things that if we could have start, started our kids off right from the beginning with just some basics. Not you know? a sock. <laughs> not, not the Jergens lotion, right? Right, exactly. Not the Vaseline yeah. in a sock. Right. Yeah. Things that just aren't good for that's another thing I see is that sometimes, you know, part of why, because really what we're talking about in this soft cock week, you know, container is, you know, first of all, that it's absolutely okay. Right. I, I, I love hanging out with a cock that doesn't get hard. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many different textures. There's so many different ways to engage with it you know, that 
are lovely and with the whole body, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and playing with the whole body and then coming back, bringing it all connected together. You know, a lot of what I see is that we have the body has this interesting messaging where like, you know, 97% of the time the genitals are having to be non-inclusive to the whole of self. And then in partnered activity or solo activity, masturbation or sex, then it's the rest, it's almost like it's only about the genitals and the rest of the body. So when this is really, Michelle, I think for me working past, you know, sexological body work for me is a tool that I added to my toolkit, you know, in this work that I've been doing for 30 I just realized next year it'll be 33 years of doing creative body release. And the um, the thing I'm most curious about is when do we create opportunity in our adult lives to be a hundred percent embodied self? You know, having spent so much time in the world of infant and toddler development. What we see is we come in that way. We are mm-hmm. whole. You know, my grandkids watch TV with their hands down their pants. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's the when we're potty training, you know, there's just there's all of this nakedness and embodiedness. And then, you know, it just cuts off. Yeah. And when we are, you know, you were saying how what you do is more relational and everything that I do is relational. But what I have really come to is that all of the other work that I did prior to sexological body work added into the toolbox was still not hitting this place where true reconnection to the whole being and the whole self can happen. And the rewiring the neuroplasticity that you're talking about you know, if we're not doing that as part of our ma- the way that we see our masturbation practice, then th- we're missing something because, you know, to mm-hmm. have erectile function is this complicated system of the nerves, the blood, you know, the hormones, the neurotransmitters, the, the fascia. I see so many of the, I'll, there are a couple things I can say, like one of the things that I see is a really common trait with men who come to me and are really having trouble getting the cock to grow and fill is that their legs are super tight. Mm-hmm. Right. The All tension, the way down, right? the tension mm-hmm. that there's tension in the calves and there's tension in the hamstrings and the quads. And so there's so much tightness in the leg. And if you think about the way anatomy is and the fascia that goes under the testicles and the fascia that goes around the um, cavernosa and spongiosa, right? That if the if the fascia is pulling tight away into the leg, then you need there to be suppleness in the fascia in order for there to be engorgement. Yeah. Right. So I always, you know, I'm working on the legs, working on the shoulders, the neck, you know, all of all the whole body. So we really want to get everything. And that's why, you know, in masturbation, I'll also, you know, I encourage people to make a music playlist mm-hmm. and get them to dance, to move, to be able move to body. move their body, get freedom in the pelvis. 
right? Mm-hmm. So that it's not locked as one unit, but that mm-hmm. that they start to think about that the leg comes up and over and that the sacrum is part of the torso and right drops and that the that the penis, one of the things I really like to help men with thinking about is that that the penis is like a fish hook or a J of the spine, that the tip of the penis is actually like the end of the spine. Mm-hmm. Right. And that as you're stroking, if you're stroking in a way that that is holding that image, that that also helps the tension in the back to relax so that you can get some more fill as part of that. It reminds me of being in Betty Dotson's masturbation workshop as a as a woman. <laughs> and one of the things she said was like, quit doing what they do in porn. Don't arch your back, right? You're cutting mm-hmm. off that blood flow through your spine, that energy mm. through your spine and to curve instead, like the other direction yeah, to yep. like go more into like a C rather than the the arched woman, you know, who throws yeah. her head back and, you know, is taken by <laughs> ecstasy, right? Like to actually do uh-huh. quite the opposite, right? And I, I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of this translates over to, to penis you're, owners. You're making me, you're making me, so one of the things that, so I, going back to when I did the sexological bodywork training, it was the year after my partner died and I was really in bad shape, you know? Um, and so a lot of my own grief work has really been in my own masturbation practice as well. So again, you know, so much of what I'm sharing and teaching is from my own practice and embodied practice. And I started filming myself masturbating um, around that time, well, before that, but really actively in um, for the last 14 plus years, every time I masturbated, I would put it on, I would film it. So you're making me think that I need to look at that because I think I arch my back a lot, but it's, it's about a certain kind of, that there's a, that there's a place where that naturally comes in, Mm -hmm. right. Versus this is what I think I'm supposed to be doing. I'm sure that's the nuance (laughs) of it, right? Like, but it did make me very conscious of that. And I really pay attention to it's, it, it, it's the locking of the body. It's, mm-hmm. I can, you know, find myself running into being more intention in masturbation rather well, than letting all that flow. Yeah. And I think that also brings up for me the, when I'm talking with men about who have, who are concerned, right. That they're not going to be able to, that maybe they can get an erection, but they can't maintain it. Mm-hmm. Right, or they can get some fill enough to penetrate, but then they're afraid that they can't cont- maintain it. That there's mm-hmm. a fear, like there's a fear that if they stop and reposition, mm-hmm. right, then they won't be able to get it again. Mm-hmm. So they'll just sort of push through and maybe have an orgasm, or maybe still be able to ejaculate, but it's unsatisfying, or maybe they can't. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that we want to do that's part of masturbation training um, and also partner work training okay, mm-hmm. is to be okay again with the ebb and flow, right? That mm-hmm. if you've come into this position, I mean, this is part of what I learned with my partner, right? If we're in this position and it's feeling really good, but then something has changed, don't push through, switch, mm-hmm. 
right? Yes. Now move to something else, do something differently and keep expanding the, you know, w the window of tolerance, right? Like mm -hmm. keep expanding that, that, oh, I can be in this position and then I can take a break and move and do something else. And then, yes, there might be some rebuild. I might lose something, but then it's going to build back up again. And then I can switch. And it's all really about getting the mind to um, get out of the way. You know, I like yeah. to say, you know, sex is about, uh, you know, cock and pussy rule the room. Cock and mm -hmm. pussy are dom to mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Right. Just mm -hmm. shut the fuck up and let yeah. us play and you know? follow the pleasure and follow the pleasure. Right. Like it's, I'm thinking, um, I'm, I'm thinking a, um, I'm sure there's some tools we could share to keep that, that flow going. Like I'm thinking about, okay, what if I, what if I'm having sex where I need to use condoms? Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes condoms are the barrier to, right either keeping the erection or I've lost the erection. Do I need to put a new condom on? And these kinds of questions that pop, pop up. So I kind of want to like shift a little bit to like mm -hmm. hit some, like here's yeah. some really take home things like pro tips. Yeah. Thing. I think a lot of people are not, um, they actually just really are not skilled enough with their hands. So again, that goes back to, you know, working a little bit differently with the way that people are masturbating because if a, if if you have a soft penis and you um are trying to put a condom on that is going to be challenging right so what i generally do is you know i'm i'm doing a lot of handwork to fill the blood up okay and this is something i actually want to make sure i said so i'm glad this is coming up one yeah. of the things that i see is um is very common is that we think of the penis only as the external part of the penis right so that it's you know what's there hanging in the front and many men again because we have such shitty sex education and anatomy and physiology even are like an ap class and not what everybody is learning so so many people men and their partners don't understand that there is such, you know, I think I've read that the equivalent of what's on the outside is on the inside, right? So if you think about a lever system, mm -hmm. then yeah, if you're only stroking what's on the outside, mm -hmm. then what is that standing on? So mm -hmm. I have clients where they have had really, you know, they, they will tell you, I can't get hard. And then they get hard because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm visualizing. I've looked at tons of anatomical pictures so I can hold it in my head. And I'm really working on filling the corpus cavernosa, right? The two primary tubes um, from all the way at the, the, the back, right? From all the way in the perineum yep, and building that up. Right. Mm -hmm. So that you're building it, you're building it, you're building it, you're building it so that when you get to the point where the external penis is, it has something holding it up. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about for the people that don't have the visual here, we're talking yes. behind the testicles, behind the testicles, right? right. Yeah. Behind the testicles 
and all the way through, right? Where you can move the testicles mm-hmm. a little bit and then and kind of keep keep going. Right. Yeah, you'll so feel it. It'll you can feel it'll it. get rigid. Yep. Yes. Unless you have a very, very tight perineum, right? If your pelvic right. muscles are tight, then that's going to be compressing that cavernosa. So that's part of why you want to do massage, why you want to mm-hmm. do a warm compress, why you want to have, you know, hot, warm breath. A lot of times, you know, just breathing on the area with your warm breath can start to let that relax. I mean, not you, mm-hmm. if you're a part, if you're doing that to a partner, it's going to be pretty hard to do your warm <laughs> breath on yourself. If you can do that, I want pictures, please send them to me. <laughs> not pictures. I want videos. Oh, I want videos. Video. Exactly. So yeah. Watch it. You're going to get something. I know. Um, so, so first of all, we want to build that up because going back to the question of how to put a condom on, if that, if there isn't that internal structure, then you're screwed and not in the way you want to be. Right. And then really playing, like let yourself, like, so a lot of times, you know, we're like having foreplay or, you know, outer course, we're in our outer course zone. And then it's like, okay, feels like it's time. And just taking that break, then the penis will subside. And then, you know, we're trying to put a condom on something that isn't so, I like to grip the base of the penis. I like to build from the bottom. And then when I feel like it's hit that place right at the pelvic bone, then grip around it somewhat tight so that I'm now taking the blood that's there and pushing the blood that's there and pushing Mm -hmm. it more forward. Then, you know, so like a cock ring, but with my hand, then playing some more, juicing that cavernosa up. We think about The image I have of the cavernosa is like a kitchen sponge. You know, those kitchen sponges you can buy that are flat and then you put them in Mm -hmm. water and they plump up. So our erotic energy, the way that we touch, the way that we talk, all of these different things are the water that's plumping up that spongy tissue. Yeah. So now we get that little bit plumper. You know, if it's not plump enough, then don't put a condom on yet because then it isn't really ready to penetrate. So Mm -hmm. keep playing, keep enjoying, keep building that eye contact, whatever it is that turns you on, and then put the condom on. And then when the condom is on, take out your lube, not your grapeseed oil, but your condom happy lube, and continue to stroke and build and just uh, adore and, you know, give the penis this happy uh, continued time that isn't, that is about it being receiving, not Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, what we're trying to do is get in. Mm -hmm. That to me is what I have seen work. (laughs) Do you recommend people practice with condoms during masturbation? Absolutely. I think if you're going, because of what we know about the way the mind body works and muscle memory works, if you are going to be having partnered sex using a condom, then it is very wise to mm-hmm. practice masturbating to, with a condom. Because again, what we're trying to avoid is cock confusion. Yes. Right? If the cock is confused, its natural state of confusion is I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. I don't know what I'm doing. Is this okay? Is this not okay? Wait a minute. Hold on. When we do this at home, 
I don't have this thing over me. And now you're putting this thing over me, which changes how I feel. It changes mm-hmm. my neuro, you know, capacity. Especially if we have negative thoughts about condoms. And if we have negative right? thoughts about condoms, exactly. Yeah. Or, but again, even if we have positive thoughts about condoms, okay, I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm okay with it because I'm sex positive and I like to, you know, have sex with lots of different people. But if I've been practicing without one, Mm-hmm. then the the on the cellular level on the sensory level the body does is now going wait this is this, this doesn't is match right this is mm-hmm. confusion so it is it you know it is helpful i know for myself like i'll use a condom on toys you know partially because it's easier to clean them Mm-hmm. Right. And also because when I'm doing my own practice sessions where, you know, I want to be able to ride for 15 minutes, let's say, you know, I know I have to practice doing that. Otherwise, I'm going to give out in three. You know, my mm. thighs are going to burn or my butt's going to hurt or my knees are going to give out. So, you know, if I'm going to be with partners where, you know, same thing, getting used to that sensation, especially if you're used to being fluid bonded. So putting that condom in is helpful. I want to also remind people that internal condoms are a thing, right? Internal condoms are a thing. Have you used them? I have. Uh Um, I, what I always say with clients when I introduce the idea as an option is that for me personally, I feel like they take a lot of trust from the penis owner to be very mindful if they're ones to pull out and reinsert Mm -hmm. that it would be really easy to bypass the internal condom. But otherwise Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. the idea of being able to have it in. Yeah. And then if that opportunity hits, it's already there, right? It's something that if you're ready for penetration, Mm we don't have to make that pause to get the condom and apply it, that it's, it's already there. I prefer sex without either with, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a fluid bonded relationship. Mm-hmm. It, it is simpler in so many ways. And also that's not how the real world works. Right. For most, I'm going to, most people um, are going to need to have some kind of protection. Yeah. And that goes yeah. back to, um, what we were talking about, about porn too. Like I just mm-hmm. had a, I had an experience recently where I was watching something and I was very turned on. And then the scene was that the cock owner took his cock out of this woman's ass. And it was a, it was a two girl, one guy clip. And then he put it in the other girl's mouth. And I immediately was like, that is such a turnoff for me because of everything that I know about like hygiene and cleanliness and STI and da, 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 that it's just, I was like, nope, this is now a no-go. Like I can't, I can't yeah. get past this. So I think we need to also see, we need to encourage people who make porn, whether it's their home stuff that they're uploading or it's professional studios to have more scenes where condoms, both the internal and the external condoms are being used because we just Mm -hmm. don't see that enough. And so again, if that's what we're looking for and that's what the mind has taken in as this is the way, then that can get, you know, that can be problematic as well. 
Yeah. Have you used internal condoms? Did you I've have like used, a different experience? I've or? only used, I only have recently tried, first of all, I mean, I have a whole story around this because it's, there's, it's been really hard to get. Yes. Yeah. They're really hard to get. I've tried to get some, um, from our local Planned Parenthood and they were charging $16 per. Oh, wow. I mean, I knew they were a lot more expensive than, than external condoms. Um, I was fortunate that one of my friends was able to get some from the Mm -hmm. local um, Planned Parenthood or wherever she was going for her STI testing. And she brought me a few. So they used to give them free. Um, You could get three free at a time from our local county health department and they've changed that. So I finally, I found, I mean, I couldn't find like that was the lowest price. And then I finally found some on Amazon uh, that were lower So I've tried, I've only tried them once and what I experienced, it was really good to do that because what I experienced for the first time was, oh, this is why people with a penis say, I don't like to wear it because it doesn't, I don't have full sensation because I Mm -hmm. definitely noticed like, oh, even, even the difference between my internal tissue and a condom over a penis, I, I still, I'm still, my nerves are still getting touched in the same way. Right. Gotcha. But with the internal, I was like, oh, there's definitely a dampening of sensation. And it wasn't like, I never want to use it again, but it Mm -hmm. was very clear, like, oh, this is, there's, it's, a, it's a beginner's mind. It was like, yeah. oh, okay. Beginner's mind. Well, and there's always again. trade-offs, right? It's, yeah. it's kind of figuring out what works for you. Just like, I really want people to find the condom that works for them. The condom Not that just works for size, them. but mm-hmm. the materials. There's so many things. I'm, I have a friend who has a spreadsheet of all the con he's mm. gone through and like very geekified this uh-huh. determining <laughs> condoms thing. And it's really for him. Like you can't mm-hmm. take that spreadsheet and translate it to yeah. you per se, although he's working on a few ideas. I'm going to have him on my other podcast mm-hmm. to talk about his spreadsheet and his like quest to find his ideal condom, because I think it's something yeah. that's admirable. And if you're going to be in the world uh, of safer sex practices, with multiple per- partners, mm-hmm. you need to know what is your condom, yep. right? It's yep. it's just, you just don't, you don't necessarily buy off the rack. Yeah, You need to have what is the best thing for you. And then I think he was talking about getting a partner that would go through and then also do her own testing on her experience with different partner or mm-hmm. different condoms different, yep. to see what would be the best match for them, not just for him. Yep. Exactly. And I, that goes back to also how to include that in your masturbation practice. So I recently ended a long fluid bonded relationship. So condoms and lube have come back into my life and I have been, you know, I have a whole bunch of different ones that I put on, on my toys to feel, you know, what does this feel like? Do I have a reaction to it? You know, how does it work with this lube? I mean, I've definitely been on a quest. I can say that I have finally found something that, uh, that I like that works. Um, cause I also was noticing like with some of my partners who maybe are more, uh, have more length that the condom was falling, was slipping off. 
you know, mm-hmm. especially when you have rigor, more rigorous activity, more rigorous movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really looking for what's the one that will stay on. Yeah. And I like, um, I'll just do a plug here. Yeah. Uh, I'm not an affiliate or anything, but I like the momentum condom. The momentum mm. condom was created by a doctor, uh, an African-American doctor. Um, and, you know, really with the idea of like, we, there's some problem solving to do and I like their lube and I like their condoms and they stay on and they're, they're good, you know, they're, they're a good one. Um, when you say they're lube, do you mean for the lubricated condoms or do I, they no, sell I'm a lube they have also? A, they sell lube also. Oh, okay. They, they, they sell a, a lube that I like. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to look them up. Yeah. I want to, before we completely end, um, yeah. uh, I wanted to just share my feeling about cock, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of soft cock and soft cock week. Can I and, pause you for a yeah. second and ask for uh-huh. one more technicality? Oh, yes. Thing? One more technical. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I just want to clear up a myth that was very strong last year. Mm. Can you masturbate with a soft penis? Ah, uh, yeah. Right. And do you have any tips on masturbation with a soft penis? Yes. So absolutely. You can masturbate with a soft penis. I masturbate with a soft penis, right? You masturbate with a soft penis. I mean, you know, the, the homologous tissue is there. I feel like having a soft penis actually gives you more access. So if we think about, uh, right, you can have, you can have an erection and not and not have an orgasm or an ejaculation, right? Mm -hmm. You can have an orgasm and not have an erection or an ejaculation, right? Mm -hmm. You can have, what didn't I say? An orgasm or an, you could have an ejaculation without an orgasm, right? Or an erection, right? So all of these, we have three different systems that all exist around our sexuality, right? Masturbation is our opportunity to explore and discover and feel and find each of those three opportunities. Sometimes they all happen at once. I mean, one of the things that is the biggest uh, standout that I experience in talking with men is that they don't understand that they are what is called biphasic, meaning that the orgasm and the ejaculation are two separate systems, right? Because for most people who get hard, what their experience is, is that the orgasm and the ejaculation are happening concurrently. What I love, I mean, part of the way that I've learned about all of this is that for the, for in the beginning of my work as a sexological body worker, I had the privilege of working with a lot of men who had gone through prostate cancer. Uh, or diabetes, or one of these medical conditions where getting hard actually is completely off the table, right? Right. And because they were coming to me, they hadn't given up, right? So mm-hmm. they're the men who go through things and they're like, you know what? I actually would prefer to golf. I don't need sex anymore. I'm good, right? That's okay, you know? And then there are people who are like, okay, this piece is gone, but what else is there for me? I believe that there's something else, but nobody has given me a roadmap. Or yeah. maybe I have found in my masturbation that there's something here, but my partner it no longer is sexual or my partner isn't interested in this. And so 
I'm looking for someone who can help me amplify this or experience this. Mm -hmm. So, so that is, you know, the larger umbrella to your question, which is if we, if we reframe masturbation, not as a goal oriented activity towards, you know, I, this is, I'm trying to get to this, then what happens when you have soft cock and you're masturbating is that you can, you can explore more the richness of turning on the nerves. So mm -hmm. what generally happens when the penis is in a focused hardness is that you're really, it's really about <clears throat> more about the blood than it is about the nerves. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if you're in a condom situation. Right. So you're you're building. It's more about that building, that feeling of everything in the body is moving towards the towards the penis. There's this energy. So it's about blood and energy. Right. Mm -hmm. All this energy is building, 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 building. And then and then you get this oh, oh, release mm -hmm. when that isn't happening, then it's more like more like what happens for those of us who have a vulva. Right. And a clitoris and a vagina, which is that to really get turned on and to get the arousal system going, what we're needing to do is pay more attention to all. So all of your nerves, super, all your superficial nerves are called afferent nerves and afferent nerves generally are designed to just be on or off. So they, and what we know is that there's, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, you know, they're constantly remapping nerve endings in the pelvis, in the pelvic floor, in the genital tissue. So when you have a soft penis, the opportunity in touch and a touch experience is to play with what other nerves are off that can come on. Oh, mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm, I'm stroking this way and I'm feeling something and allowing myself to touch and feel the nerve open to pleasure. Right. Mm -hmm. To feel, um, again, going back to what I said about the J shape, right. That it's all interconnected. Oh, if I touch here mm -hmm. in, in this spot, I feel something connected to the nerve, you know, at the bottom of my neck. If I touch this spot, I'm noticing something tingling or awakening down in my leg, right. There's the plexuses are there. So, um, being able to have orgasm and ejaculation without getting hard is absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. Great. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. You're so smart. I'm so glad that we were talking <laughs> about this. You have so <laughs> much you. information. <laughs> uh, I want to, I, I want to get this wrapped up. So, uh -huh. so lastly, let's go back to, before I interrupted uh -huh. you, you wanted to talk about. I just want to say that I think that imagination is a really, really, really important part of this process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of penis as sort of that anatomical part of the body and mm -hmm. cock is an energy. I like to think of, so you can see, well, I guess the people if we're, but I, you know, I, the, the, the peacock is an incredible male, you know, species mm -hmm. that takes its time. I used to live in a place populated by peacocks. And the thing about it is like, if there's a, if there's a peacock that wants to take up space, you just have to let it take up space and enjoy it. Right. And I feel mm -hmm. like as somebody who loves the cock, 
I love to watch it, you know, just be in its, in its soft place and then see what might unfold if I create the space that is inviting and seeing that regalness that is there. Yeah. I also think about, you know, the, the crowing cock in the barnyard, right? Mm -hmm. Who, you know, whose job it is to say, we, we, it's time to wake up. We made it. Mm -hmm. A new mm -hmm. day is here. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of men, they lose their connection to a, to, to cock energy, to feeling proud, to feeling vital, to feeling joy and levity, right? That's that sometimes just bringing levity back into, we feel so serious and we feel the gravity of the loss of our hardness. Yeah. And finding the place where we can bring levity can, we need that force actually for there to be levity again, to be able to get yeah. that. Sometimes I see that in men who can fill, but don't have the lift. Mm -hmm. okay? So to me using cock, I like that because I feel like it allows us also to connect to mammal or bird or amphibian to that, which is more universal too. Mm -hmm. it's a, that it's an energy. I like the idea. I like to use the word pussy in relationship to cock because I like the, you know, the image of that, you know, that the fowl, you know, right? the peacock or the cock and the, and the kitty cat, the pussy cat coming in with her tail and kind of, Hey, want to, you know, let's stretch and let's play. And it's, it's like, to me, sex, it creates an opportunity for sex to be like a children's picture book. Ah, I, right? as someone who, with aphantasia who does not visualize very well, I do have a idea of what you're saying. Yeah, it's like something popped up in my head. It's not a clear good picture. But yes, I get that child's right? child um, storybook. Yeah, that it's a child's, right. And that our time together, going back to what I said about what I learned with my partner, that if we're taking, if we're, if we're marking this time as play, as, yes. you know, I think of sex as, a time for play, it's time for recreation, a time for mm -hmm. respite care, you know, yeah. a time for rejuvenation, relaxation. You know, if we expand what sex is and we move that more into, hey, we're comfortable enough with each other mm -hmm. to provide some things that are really good for the body, right? I mean, yeah. this is where we get. And I guess, let me maybe really the way I want to end is saying this, because I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't say it, which is, you know, I am a really, in terms of as a masturbation coach, right? I just lost a child to the opioid epidemic, right? I'm touched by so many of the things that are out there. And what I know from working with young children and families all the way again through death and dying is that the fact that we have as a replenishable you know, free resource, oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And that we don't, this goes back to you saying, you know, that we don't teach this, right? The fact that we don't teach human mammals that there is this bonding, loving, trusting hormone that gets elicited when we have soothing voice, warm contact touch. And what we know, maybe what we know, right, according to some science, is that 
for at least they've tracked it in men that your oxytocin levels can increase between 40 and 380% above baseline in the first 10 minutes after orgasm. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't get hard, right? Mm -hmm. If you can explore your body, no matter who you are, right? If you can explore your body and give yourself permission to have a buildup of oxytocin that then leads to an orgasm, and then rather than either fall asleep, right? <laughs> or get up and take a shower and be done, but use that 10 minutes as medicine, because that's mm -hmm. what it is to be able. And in masturbation, knowing that oxytocin is the trust energy and bring it back to yourself, right? I trust my journey. I trust myself. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've got this, right? That's really mm -hmm. oxytocin just says, I'm okay. I got this, right? Yeah. And I can trust the world today. <laughs> and that could be with your partner. It could be with yourself. And it could be with and your partner. Both yeah. are important. Both it, are important. Exactly. And I think what we do is we tend to focus the oxytocin loop on the partner when we're in partner mm -hmm. sex and we don't really harness it. So I'm really interested in how to teach people what these hormones are, how to activate them, to maximize them in our sexual experience. And then more importantly, how do we harness it and how do we use it so that our bodies are getting, you know, the benefit of our naturally occur occurring pain medicine, uplifting upper thought medicine, that there's, I think that's going to be the next wave. And that's why I said, I it wouldn't be me if I didn't plug this. So that this is why decriminalization of sex work is mm -hmm. so important. Because yes. if we can decriminalize sex work and be able to have open conversations about mm -hmm. how healthy the arousal system is and provide more and more opportunities for people who are having trouble with their arousal system to be, you know, to, to have experiences like what we offer, which is to have it observed, you know, in naturally occurring arousal states and get feedback on that and training on that. And then be able to say, you know, this is, it is in the Declaration of Independence, we have the right to pursue happiness. Right? Mm -hmm. And that happiness is those chemicals. <laughs> so the more yes. that we're encouraging people to orgasm and masturbate and have great sex and have great pleasure, then our mindset will mm -hmm. be more towards we got this and we can move forward as a human mammal population and not annihilate ourselves. So, you know, I'm very pro um, understanding the science mm -hmm. so that we can language better why decriminalization of sex work is a health equity issue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. A whole nother episode. <laughs> we'll take that to the other podcast yes. and uh, pick this conversation back up. If I would love to yeah. have that conversation. Yeah, great. Oh, Erica, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, Michelle. I'm so excited. I'm excited to be a resource to anyone who is listening. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with me, the best way I don't currently have 
a website up, the best way is just to email me at erica at creativebodyrelease.com. And um, it's a wonderful, you know, what you're doing, what we're doing, what everyone who's contributing to this is doing is it's really beautiful work in the world because we don't, as a mother of boys, as a grandmother of boys, as a lover of men, as a widow of men, um, there's a lot of stuff around. Don't talk about this. Yeah. Right. Don't talk about this. It's not real. You know, the number of times I hear, you know, it's women's, women's sexual health is, you know, so far behind, but really, you know, where we are with men's sexual health, I feel like is where we were with women's sexual health in the sixties, you know, just starting to really have real conversations. It's interesting where we put our money, right? Yeah. When we talk about sexual health in general, it's really interesting, no matter what gender, what our priorities are. And it's like, we're skipping steps. We're leapfrogging and not working on foundational um, building blocks that we just want to cut to the, cut to the problem, right. Mm -hmm. And throw a pill at it or what have you. So, yeah. And I think, you know, I'm guessing that the people who come to you are similar to the people who come to me, which is they are the people for whom the pill doesn't work whether it doesn't work functionally or yeah. it doesn't work because they have side effects that are intolerable or it doesn't work because they have other health conditions in which this is not an option for them or it doesn't work because they're making a choice in their life to not rely on a medicine right so yeah. for the people for whom it works it works but we yeah. have to have good options for the people where you know that isn't if it isn't there what there's wish- something what I wish would change, and, and we had a uh, guest on one of these episodes named Kyle, um, who talked about his story. And when he was asking his doctor, at, you know, in his early 20s about erectile issues, the, the, the response wasn't, well, let's, let's take a look at this. It was, I can write you a prescription. Right. Right. And that's what I want to expand is like, we have to talk about the whole system and not just throwing a pill at it because that's not... Yeah. The education component is really missing. But that's where the, that's where the decriminalization is really key because right now what I see when I interface with the medical providers is they just don't even know that we exist, Mm -hmm. right? They either don't know that we exist at all, that there's an option for uh, Mm hands-on care, um, or maybe they know that we exist, but you know, they, there's concerns around um, referring to us. Well, yeah, yeah. Sesta Foster really did a number on that one, right? Mm-hmm. Again, another topic yeah. for another day. Right. So oh. we need more people to, you know, go back to their providers and say, and be willing to say, I had an experience and this is something that I want to encourage you to do, or also just give, be able to have more opportunities to talk, you know, with with the profession so that they know, so that they know there's something other than a pill, mm-hmm. because what I find is in an ideal situation, what we're doing also is just increasing the odds. If I have a client who wants to take the pill or wants to get the, you know, one of the treatments or wants to try, what is it? Is it PRP, the platelet rich plasma? Oh. You know, there's all, there's some, you know, all of the new things that are out there, uh-huh. then 
teaching people how to masturbate is only going to increase the odds of success. The people that I know who have tried these other things and aren't having success haven't shifted the way that they masturbate or have sex. And yeah. so they're still relying on something to change from the outside or something. They want something that happens to them rather right. than change what they're doing. And then whatever it is that they're using as an enhancement is the enhancement. But the body needs to, we're, we're meant to move. We're meant to invigorate. And we just need to include that more in the way that we talk about sex education and sex in general. It's just physical fitness. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's our whole, like, we are just not these little parts, right? Yep. We are an entire system and we can't ignore the entire system. We have to, or we can't ignore little parts. We have to, to embrace the entire system. Exactly. Which is again, that image of, you know, the whole stained glass, right? That's yes. what you and I do. That's what we do yeah. is we take all of these different systems and mm -hmm. pull them together so that there's a beautiful picture to behold. I love that image. Yeah. Thank you, Erica. You're welcome, Michelle. I will Thank have you. all your information in the okay. show notes. Great. And um, let's keep working together. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> all right. Wow, do I enjoy talking about softcock. Thank you for listening. If you didn't catch the video version, I invite you to find us on YouTube or Spotify with video. If you found this podcast to be helpful and you feel you can give us five stars, I invite you to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. New episodes of the Soft Cock Week podcast only drop during the week of Soft Cock Week, so please make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of them. Lastly, give us a follow on social media and check out our resources, Soft Cock Love Notes, and events at softcockweek.com. Signing off from Southern California with so much love. Mwah.